0: Up next is a daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dotson, pastor of J.F. Believers Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting burningdogradio.com and clicking on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. Beginning today in chapter 18 of the book of Matthew, verse 18 says, Most certainly I tell you, Whatever things you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever things you release on earth will have been released in heaven. This verse verse speaks of the rather serious nature of what we're dealing with here. Jesus is not telling us that somehow we are manipulating heaven's judgment. That's not what he's saying at all. That is clearly stated in Scripture to be in the hands of the Father only. It is telling us, however, that we are participants in the execution of biblically directed discipline of those within the body of Christ, within the church. If we hold to biblical truth and we weld such truth with an absolute care and an unflinching devotion, the results of that discipline, well, they will, according to this passage, stand up in the courts of heaven. As does, by the way, our forgiveness of such, and our restitution of the offender, following his or her repentance, by the way. Verse 19 says again, Assuredly, I tell you that if two of you will agree on earth concerning anything that they will ask, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the middle of them. What this passage is telling us is this action doesn't take an army to execute. Or does it take an ordained pastor or a church building with a sign out front? It literally only takes two believers who have the tenacity and the fearful reverence for the word of God and the willingness to see this through. To take action in this way is not easy. It is extremely hard without question. There are no smooth or gentle words to offer to make it any easier Too, Only that the Lord will be there, quote, in their midst. Verse 21, then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him until seven times? Jesus said to him, I don't tell you seven times, but until 70 times seven. Now no doubt Peter thought himself to be quite gracious, I mean forgiving, seven times. That probably seemed like a grand measure of faith being exercised in the mind of people. But the standard of Jesus was much, much higher. Try 490. Certainly even that number wasn't meant to be an exact science, but a number to represent this concept of limitless forgiveness. I mean, we know this fact in his relationship with us, (laughs) because Hey, for many of us, it's a good thing that it isn't literally 490. I mean, who could remember anyway? We'd all lose count somewhere around 62. Verse 23 says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he had begun to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But because he couldn't pay... His Lord commanded him to be sold with his wife, his children, and all that he had, and the payments to be made. Now the servant therefore fell down and knelt before him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will repay you all. And the Lord of the servant, being moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Now, interestingly enough, modern commentators see this number of 10,000 talents as being a modern figure ranging Somewhere between 12 million and 1 billion dollars. So I say that to point out that this is a little more than your average maxed out credit card. This was a debt that factually is impossible to pay. And no doubt the interest was, of course, accumulating daily. This king had laid an eternal sentence upon this servant, for this servant owed a debt which was seemingly insurmountable. You see, this is a picture of sin for each one of us. Notice that it was and is a debt that affected not only him, but as always, his family too. Inexplicably, with no more reason than pure compassion, the king forgave this servant of his huge debt. Verse 28 says, but that servant then went out found one of his fellow servants who owed him one hundred denarii. He grabbed him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me and I will repay you. But he would not. But he went and cast him into prison until he should pay back that which was due. So this forgiven servant, he failed to go out and deal with others in the way that he himself was forgiven. And sadly, that is so often the way it is today in the body of Christ, the greater church. This scenario, frankly, is replayed over and over in the hearts and the lives of deeply forgiven individuals. We can be so quick to receive forgiveness, can't we? And so very, very slow to meet it out. Verse 31, so when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were exceedingly sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. Then the Lord called him in and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant, even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord was angry and delivered him to the tormentors until they should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if you don't forgive your brothers from your hearts for his misdeeds. Now, you see, the consequences of unforgiveness, apparently, run very deep. Our forgiveness of others is not optional if we count ourselves among the believers. You see, this passage might immediately strike us as an impossible idealist goal. One that, well, we're not actually expected to live it out, just simply a nice idea. But the end of this story certainly would lead us to believe otherwise. We must gain knowledge of the supernatural transformation of a believer's heart and mind upon new birth. A realm where the impossible becomes possible, the unthinkable becomes a reality. Because in the state of rebirth, full of the presence of the Holy Spirit, such forgiveness is not only possible, but frankly, quite natural. In the forefronts of our minds always, should be the remembrance of just how much we have been forgiven. Because one who will not forgive is not broken. He or she is not humble of heart. One who will not forgive is even now controlled by the flesh, not by the Father. And damnation awaits the end of that journey. So the state of heart in these matters serves as a litmus test, if you will, of a reality of our salvation. Now I gotta note that forgiveness will not always be easy. Sometimes our obedience in this matter is is just that, obedience. I mean, it's not that we will always feel good about forgiving, but the heart has a way of following the action in these matters. God never made any promises about how we might feel about our obedience to him. In fact, despite the feel good nature of our churches today, such has never been. A consideration with God as to obedience, nor is it ever a righteous excuse not to obey. Please note that without repentance on the part of the offending individual, however, and hear this now, no such act of forgiveness is called for. Did you get that? Without repentance on the part of the offending individual, no act of forgiveness is called for. Now, that doesn't mean that forgiveness on our part or in our hearts is not mandated in any way. For Scripture directs otherwise. You can check it out: Mark 11:25, uh, Ephesians 4:32, Colossians 3:13. Forgiveness in these cases is for the spiritual and mental health of the offended, because bitterness is a consuming cancer that will destroy us unless. Removed. Apparently, forgiveness is as much for us as it is for the offender. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Pastor Tim and JF Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com.